history, theology, and stories for kids. Let's get started. Hi friends, so welcome back. Today our episode is all about science. We're going to read Lewis Pasteur Battle with Death. Uh, he's a famous scientist who found a cure for a terrible disease back then called rabies. It's a type of uh, it's a type of sickness that you get when uh, an animal bites into you. And for our zoology, we're going to read something read about an animal called the skate, which looks like a stingray. But it does not sting you at all. And for our stories, we're going to read. Sorry, we're not going to read anything. We're going to listen to a YouTube channel made by my friends, Kellis and Kellen. That's the title. And you can uh, watch it in YouTube. So I'm also here with my co host, Sophia. Hi! She's going to help me read Lewis Pasture Battle with Death. Here it is. Lewis Pasteur, Battle with Death, by Dorothy Has. Run for your life! Mad Wolf! A small boy pushed open the heavy door of his home. He slipped inside, slamming it behind him, his heart pounding. Little Lewis Pasteur, for that was the boy's name, turned. He brushed aside the, the lace curtain on the window next to the door. The scene outside was coming out of a nightmare. A maddened wolf, a maddened snarling wolf, foaming at the mouth, charged down the street. Panic strikened. People scattered before it. Some found shelter. Others, not so lucky, were bitten. Little Lewis closed his eyes. He pressed his face into the scratchy lace of the curtains. But he could not shut out those dreadful cries. Soon, the howls of the suffering beasts faded in the distance. Then, they stopped altogether. The wolf had gone back to the dark forest that surrounded our boys. Silence returned to the tiny town. Once more, Lewis dared to look outside. A pitiful parade was passing by. One by one, the wolf's victims were being helped up the street. They seemed to be going to the blacksmith's shop. Lewis pulled open the door and followed them. What he saw there was to haunt him for the rest of his life. The only known treat, treatment for rabies caused by the bite of, the, of a mad animal was a fearful one. Each of the wolf's victims, eight in all, were brought into the blacksmith's shop. There, the doctor touched a red-hot poker to the wounds. He was trying to burn away the poison left there by the sick wolf. But the treatment was useless. In the weeks that followed, the wolf's victims sickened. At last, one by one, they died. There was no cure for rabies. Many years passed. The little boy of our boys grew up. He studied chemistry and biology. He became a scientist, an honored scientist known throughout France. 
In his laboratory, he found the answers to many to many grave problems. The farmers, sheep, and cattle died in great numbers from a certain disease called anthrax. Dr. Louis Pasteur found a way to vaccinate them and so to keep them healthy. Today, we also use our vaccination during this time of pandemic. Many people became ill and died from drinking the milk of sick cows. Dr. Pasteur developed a method of making milk safe. We still use that method today. It is called pasteurization. Many were, many were the problems that the learned Dr. Pasteur solved. But during the years, he could not forget the cries of the terrified townsfolk of our boys. The trouble was that no one knew quite where to start on the fearful problem of rabies. For nobody knew what caused the disease. Today, we know that it is caused by a virus, a germ so small that it cannot be seen under the usual kind of microscope. But Dr. Pasteur did not know this. One day, he was in his laboratory with his assistant. They were talking about rabies, and as they often did, the elderly scientist, limping from an illness which had left him painfully crippled moving up and down the long room as they talked. We do not know what caused rabies, he said. He paused for a thoughtful moment leaning on his cane. But every problem has an answer, he went on. And to every answer, there is a clue. Let's start looking for a clue. We will begin with the sick animals themselves. In the weeks that followed, strange guests came to came to live in Dr. Pasteur's Paris laboratory. Mad rabbits, mad guinea pigs, mad dogs. The scientists studied the disease in these animals. They even studied the saliva, which he took from their foaming mouths. But he did not find his clue. He tried making healthy animals sick in order to test the ways of treating them. He, inject, he injected into them the saliva of sick animals. Sometimes they got sick, sometimes they did not, or unexpectedly got sick after long months of waiting. Dr. Pasteur was puzzled. He worked long hours. He was in his laboratory, bent over his microscope, long before his assistant opened the door in the morning, and he stayed on lost in thought long after his assistant went home at night. Well, so before we find out how Dr. Louis Pasteur actually find a, found a cure for rabies, now let's take a short break and we'll get back to our history. Keep listening! Julie's Library, 
or forever ago. All those podcasts are our favorites, and we hope that you enjoy them too. Well, now, on with the show! Dr. Pastor thought he had the answer, only to meet with failure, but he did not give up. And then, at last, the long hours of work had their reward. He injected nerve tissue from sick animals to healthy ones in a certain way. He found that in doing this, he could, without fail, cause rabies in healthy animals. This was because the germs were concentrated in the nerve tissue. And this turned out to be the clue that Dr. Pasture had been waiting for. He found that by letting the tissue stand for a few days, it became weak. When a dog received this work, this weak nerve tissue, it became sick, yes. But not so sick that it died. The dog got well. And after that, even if it injected with the strongest nerve tissue, the dog did not develop rabies. Its body had built up strength against this disease. The dog was immune. The scientists knew that person that persons bitten by rabies that the scientists knew that persons bitten by rabid dogs do not show signs of illness until an, uh, until nearly a month later. If resistance could be could be built up in these people before they showed signs of disease, perhaps they might not seek it at all. He worked up a course of treatment. It would take 14 days. On the first day, a dose a very weak 14-day-old nerve tissue was to be given to a person who had been bitten. This way, this way, this was followed on the second day by a 13 day old dose and so on until on the last day strong virus was to be given during this time the person's body would be building up resistance finally the victim would have so much resistance that he could not even could not get sick dr pastor had found his cure for rabies or or thought he had it had been successful with dogs, would it work as well on a human being? Perhaps it would harm, rather than help, a person who had been bitten. At last, he decided what he would do. He would try the treatment on himself. If he was not harmed by it, then he would be sure that it was safe for everyone. But something happened before he had the chance to test his cure. It happened on July 6, 1885. Footsteps sounded on the, dare, on the stairway leading to the laboratory. The door was flung open. A woman rushed into the room. Dr. Pastor, she cried when she spied the scientist.
She turned and pointed to the little boy. He stood in the doorway, smiling shyly at the great scientist. Joseph Mister was nine years old. He had been bitten fourteen times. Doctor Pasteur stood up, shaking his head. But my good woman, he said, the treatment has never been tried on a person. It may harm. Please, doctor, the woman pleaded. You are our only hope. The scientist was thoughtful. Hmm. Let me think, he said. I will let you know later today. After Madame Mister and Joseph had gone, the scientist sat down at his desk. Should he use his treatment? Would he be risking great harm to a human life? Perhaps Joseph could live in spite of his wounds. He talked to his friends, Doctor Granger and Doctor Fulpian. These two men knew of his work. They went with him to examine Joseph. When they had finished, they turned to their friends. They turned to their friend. The boy will surely die. They, they said. But if you try your treatment, treatment, he has least stand a chance of living. By all means, try it. Treatment. Treatment began that very day. In the days that followed, Doctor Pasteur and Joseph became good friends. The scientist watched his little friend worriedly. What if the treatment did not help? At last, the day came when Joseph received the last and strongest dose of the nerve tissue. Doctor Pasteur waited. That night. The light in his laboratory burned on long after all houses on the street grew dark and silent. Morning came. The sun rose. The city came alive with the sound of horses and horses and heavy wagons in the street below. Suddenly, there was the sound of flying feet on the staircase. Once more, the laboratory. Door burst open with Madame Mistress, and Madame Mistress stood there. Doctor Pasteur, she cried. Come, she was gone. Louis Pasteur limped hurriedly after her. At last, he reached Joseph's room. He stopped, his hand on the doorknob. What would he find inside? Would his little friend be well, or would he? He pushed open the door. There, sitting in the big red bed, was a smiling boy, a pale but healthy Joseph. In beside him, his mother, beside him, stood his mother, tears in her eyes and a smile on her lips. Joseph gave a little bound, setting the old wooden bed to creaking. Good morning, doctor," he said to his friend. The scientist could not answer, answer at once. He closed his eyes and took a deep breath. Thank you, thank God. He, his little friend, was alive and well. At last, once and for all, Louis Pasteur was able to erase from his mind the cries of the people of Arbois.
Well, that was an exciting story, wasn't it? Yeah. It was very exciting. I was very happy to hear that Joseph is is better. Now we still use vaccination today for for the pandemic that's happening right happening right now. So thank goodness Dr. Lewis Pasteur thought of that in the first place. Well, now we're going to take a little break. Then we're going to hear our syllogy, the skate. All right. So. For our break, we're going to listen to the mystery sound. Here you go. What do you think the mystery sound is? Okay, so Sophia, uh, so what did you hear in the mystery sound? What do you think was making that sound? I think it was like someone zipping up a zipper. Okay, so can you be more specific? Uh, what what kind of zipper do you think you're kind of zipping? Like the one that's right Oh yeah, that, that's a good guess. Like maybe a jacket. Yeah, that's good. So you also heard some uh, soft, uh, soft noises in the beginning at the back. What do you think that sound is? I'm not really sure. Maybe it's the person putting on the jacket. Maybe, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to listen to the mystery sound once more a little bit later in the show. But first, let's hear about the skate. Okay, so from warm tropical seas all the way to the chilly Arctic Ocean lives an interesting group of fish known as skates. At first glance, a skate might be maybe mistaken for a stingray, but unlike a stingray, skates have no stingers, only a few sharp thorns on on their tails. These fish are black and often diamond-shaped with eyes and that rest on the top of their bodies and fins that stretch out like wings on either side. Much like sharks and stingrays, a skate skeleton is made of tough tissue called cartilage instead of bones. These smooth fish love to glide near the ocean floor, hunting for crabs and clams, and small fish by sensing their smells, vibration, and electricity. Skates' mouths are located on the underside of their bodies. This helps them as they glide along to quickly drop down and capture their prey from above. Kind of like an eagle when an eagle swoops down to get some fish. So when they are tired, they they may find a cozy spot on the ocean floor and cover themselves in sand for a peaceful nap. The color and speckles on the back of the skate skates help them to camouflage with the ocean floor. This camouflage is even more convincing when the skate is covered in sand. While it rests there, practically invisible its invisible its eyes on the top of its body can keep watch for any predators, such as sharks. They may be swimming overhead. 
Skates lay their eggs in leathery pouches that look like they have sets of straps on each end. Often, often after the eggs have hatched, people find these pouches called mermaid purses washed up on sandy beaches. When a baby skate hatches, it looks like a smaller version of its parents, but it will take several years of slow growth before it matches an adult size. And that's our zoology for today. So, if you want to know what these skates really look like, you can check it out on Google. And you can also check out mermaid purse there. Just type down mermaids, like the usual way, and write down purse. It will show you exact pictures of what it looks like. So, now let's listen to the mystery sound once again. And Sophia, you'll have another chance to guess what it is. You ready? Yeah. Here it is. Listeners, do you have any guesses? Okay, so we're going to go with Sophia. Okay, Sophia, do you have any uh, new guesses about that jacket? No, I still got no stick with my old guess. Okay, so the answer is zipping up and putting on a backpack. <laughs> so you were really close about the jacket thing. So that soft sound at the end and in the beginning was like was putting on the backpack. Wow. Right? So, now we're going to listen to Kellis and Kellen's to Kellis and Kellen. It's a YouTube channel that you can check on YouTube. Okay, we're just going to turn on the laptop right there. And type down the password. Okay, you just, if you want to if you want to watch this, just type down Kellis Kellen. Alright, so this is their YouTube channel and we hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Hold on. Hi guys, my name is Kellis.
I don't think they're gonna pour it.
today? Kellen and Kelsa's YouTube channel. We're going to listen to one more of how to make sea high cool. So, if you didn't understand what they were saying, go check it out yourselves. You can search on YouTube, Kellis, Kellis and Kellen, and and the title of this episode is "Fun Things You Can Do at Home When You're Bored." It's hilarious. So, if you watch it with the video, it will be much more fun. So, before we listen to another one, let's take a short break. Hi, friends! Do you want to be mentioned on the show? On, on the show? Well, it's very easy. Just give us five stars and. Write us a review. The good reviews will will be thanked. Will be thanked if you give us a good one. Well, now let's listen to the science of food, and we'll learn how to make zi hai guo from Kellis and Kellen.
and gallons into China. So, if you didn't understand what they're supposed to do, you can check out the real life YouTube channel, Kellis and Kellen. It's funny. <laughs> you should really see it and see their other 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 posted videos too. There's so many fun stuff. Right now, their newest episode is how to make a secret code for your friends to figure out. It's like a secret. It's like a secret message. You can check that out in Kellis and Kellen, their YouTube channel. Well, that's it for today, friends. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And remember, if you want to be on the show, mention that the show, you can simply write us a review and give us five stars, please. Well, that's it for today's episode. Bye.